What if in 2024, you got a little bit better every day? When you're learning a new language with Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's convenient courses are helping me learn real-life conversation skills in Spanish. It's getting so easy to learn how to order food, ask for directions, or speak to merchants. Studies from Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com SPP. That's right. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash SPP. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash SPP. Rules and restrictions may apply. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. The podcast where we talk to smart people, but not necessarily done by smart people. That is an awesome question. This one goes down probably on one of my top five. Hey, I like nutrition. I like to eat food. This is the coolest thing ever. We're going to do this forever. I wish I paid more attention in that class. You know, I'm going to be honest. I don't understand that. As a man, I just, I don't get it. Welcome to smartpeoplepodcast.com. Hello and welcome to Smart People Podcast, conversations that satisfy your curious mind. Chris Demp, thanks for tuning in. Look, going to make it short and sweet because July 3rd, I'm going over to a friend's house to jump in their pool. The kids are yelling outside the door, so let's get into it. This week on the show, we are interviewing Aliza Licht. And Aliza is an award-winning marketer, best-selling author, podcaster, and personal branding expert. She is the founder of Leave Your Mark, which is a multimedia brand and consultancy and author of the brand new book, On Brand, Shape Your Narrative, Share Your Vision, Shift Their Perception. She's also the host of the podcast called Leave Your Mark. My favorite part of this conversation was the actionable nature of what she talks about and how we should think about how we want others to see us and what we need to do to ensure that happens. Can't wait to bring it to you. Great conversation with Aliza. Listen, I've said this before. I'll say it again. Email me, chris at smartpeoplepodcast.com. If you're willing to answer a few questions about the podcast, or if you want to connect for 20 or 30 minutes, I'd love to talk to our listeners to understand what you like, what you wish you could change, and really help us guide the direction of the show. Chris at smartpeoplepodcast.com. Other than that, let's get into it. Here is our episode with Aliza Licht on her brand new book, On Brand. 
shape your narrative, share your vision, shift their perception. Enjoy. Do you believe that everyone should be focusing on their brand? And if so, why? Well, of course I do, but I think we should define what it means to have a brand because I think to a lot of people, it means like you're an influencer, you're famous, you have this sort of bigger than life personality. And I actually don't see it that way. So in On Brand, what I really double down on is understanding what you want to be known for, right? So being self-reflective about that and making sure other people see you that way. That can be when you show up at a meeting, that can be when you pitch an investor, that can be on social media, that can be on email, really a holistic view of how you are impacting the people around you. I think a lot of people listening are fairly self-reflective. That said, it doesn't mean it's easy to understand yourself, even if you're willing. So where do we start if we're trying to get a sense of what do we want our brand to be in this case, in the way you describe it? Great question. So I think that a big mistake people make is not taking the initiative to shape their own narrative. And I am a former publicist and I'm a big believer in what is the headline you want people to know about you? And how do you make sure you're delivering that verbiage to people so that they can speak on your behalf when you're not in the room? Because to me, having a strong personal brand means you are being recommended for things when you're not in a room. And in fact, you're being recommended for opportunities that other people haven't even heard of yet. I love that. Have a headline for yourself. So we don't want you to give away all your secrets. But if I'm listening, I want to make some progress on my headline. Any tips or tricks for that? I, first of all, want everyone to know that for people who are like, I'm not doing social media, that's not for me. That's cool, right? There are plenty of tactics, including how you earn social capital, have executive presence, build authentic relationships. All those things are in the book. But a non-starter, you must have an all-star LinkedIn page in this Mm, this world today. Here so we go. when we when we when we talk about LinkedIn, um, and and there's a couple other sort of, you know, a la carte things, if you will. Like I believe that everyone should have a personal website because your site or your portfolio, your online portfolio, is the only place on the internet where you have a hundred percent share a voice that is not at the whim of an algorithm, and we all know that game, right? So. For people that are like, oh my God, I can't, I can't make a website or, or feel like this is all too much. It's like Canva is one of my favorite tools to like actually dive into this. So having an all-star LinkedIn page, really understanding what your bio says. Like people write a bio, they throw it up there, they never look at it again. So setting a quarterly reminder to be like, let me read that. Let, does it even make sense anymore? And all of these things, your site, your bio... Everything you're putting out into the world, to me, should be supporting whatever that North Star goal is. And a lot of people don't take advantage of the real estate available to them to be putting equity into their name. So a great, easy, low-hanging fruit, your email signature. I'm going to guess most people don't work for Apple who are listening. How many people have as their email signature sent from my iPhone? You are doing marketing for Apple. You're not doing marketing for yourself. Yeah. And you also, it's negative marketing. Let's be honest. When it says that, you just go, 
man, this is, you know, this person is not tech savvy. They don't know what's going yeah. on. It's just how it goes. So, so replace, excuse my typos with read the latest article that I wrote for Forbes or listen to my podcast. Why not actually deliver who you are on a silver platter? So in on brand, I have all of these exercises called mental gymnastics because I break down sort of the journey of how you think about brand. And, and of course, I think my perspective is I've spent over two decades working in fashion, in marketing, communications, and digital. So my perspective is creating image from the fashion industry and then applying it to people. But it starts with doing your Venn diagram, thinking about what do you talk about now? How are you showing up? Pulling your network to understand it. There, there are so many ways to tackle this. And it's thought-provoking, but it's also, you have to put in the thought process. One thing I want to highlight is, I would venture to guess, the majority of people are thinking, okay, th that makes sense, actually. And number two, I'm surprised I don't do that, right? I remember when, actually, the guy I do the podcast with was like, hey, put our podcast link in your email signature. And I was like, duh, <laughs> right? And it was, this was a long time ago. He also was the one that said, go buy your domain name. So yes. I built a website. There was, I don't know, I didn't keep up with it for a while. I kept paying for the domain name, even though it currently doesn't work just because of what you're saying, which is I need to own that real estate. It's like the, it's such a critical component. Now you are motivating me to go pull it back up and make sure it aligns. But oh. I completely agree with that advice. Well, I'll take it a step further. You're about okay. to have another child. I bought my babies, their domain names when they were born. Yeah, it's brilliant. What about emails? Do you like uh, yes, get their email they have addresses? Their, yeah. Yep, they have their custom emails. I mean, they don't use it yet, but they have Sure, it. of course. Yeah. Yeah. So um, let's get let's go to LinkedIn. I, I love this because this is tactical. Sometimes I like to spend too much time in the theoretical, and we'll get there. Don't worry. But <laughs> um, I'll use me as an example. I think a lot of people follow this. I have this business, which is my heart and soul. I have a job that I enjoy, pays the bills. And I struggle on my LinkedIn page to, to, to balance the two, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. Who am I really? Who do I want the world to see? And then who do I need the corporate America to see? I think that's a lot of people these days, right? We have side hustles. We have hopes and dreams. We also have to put that corporate hat on or the marketing hat onto the world of recruiters. How do we balance that and still build our brand in an authentic way? I love this question so much. So first of all, the LinkedIn headline. A lot of people give that real estate to their company title. And I believe that area, unless you own the company yourself, that area is really for you to speak to your expertise and skills because your name is not on the door of your company. And what you do today may not be what you do tomorrow, but the experience that you have and the skills that you've honed are yours to keep. So to me, and, and those are key words in recruiter search. So if you're a marketer, if you're a journalist, if you're a lawyer, those are things that have to show up in your headline. And yes, of course, you should be proud of where you work and you have that in your experience and you can have it in the upper right corner where it's like currently here. But when you think about yourself, you are more than that job. And especially today, I mean, you said it so perfectly, people have so many passions, so many side hustles. You're not, I mean, everyone is a multi-hyphenate. You're not just one thing. So to box yourself into a job title, to me, is very limiting today. 
What about the person who's going, you know, I, I actually just have my job. And do I, do I need to do all this stuff if I'm, I'm content with my career? Do I need to update LinkedIn? Do I need to create a brand or can I just go execute and get my paycheck and have a good time? This question is literally why I wrote On Brand, because in the hybrid and mostly virtual world we live in today, you need to be ready for anything. And you need to be able to deliver who you are no matter what the medium. So you can say, oh, I have this cushy job. I've been here forever. But I would say to you, and actually at the end of the book, I have all of these examples of reasons why you need to rebrand yourself. And one of which is, okay, well, what if you don't have that job tomorrow? Then what? So listen, I spent 17 years working at one company. So I, I never spoke to recruiters. I never, I had the best job in the world. But then one day when you don't have it, you realize the time and energy needs to be put into building equity in your own name just as much as you do it for whatever your job is. Yeah. And actually, you know, I have the Leave Your Mark podcast, which is an extension of my first book. I purposely don't put any of the guests' companies in the episode titles because I want to emphasize that the guests themselves, their first and last name, are worthy of a headline not necessarily where they work. They can work anywhere. They're still going to be the person that I want to invite on the show. I've actually found a lot of people, obviously, that we're talking to are, if, if we're talking to somebody from a company, they're extremely high up in it. And once they get past the company name, they're so multifaceted, even they don't focus on it as much. So it's interesting how when we're at a manager or director level, we go say, this is who I am. Yes. And a lot of people do lean on the credibility of their company and I understand it, Sure, but nothing is permanent in the world, you know, with this economic uncertainty and all these layoffs, you really have to take the time to invest in marketing yourself. This episode is brought to you by Rocket Money. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills. I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel it with a tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members on average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com smart. One more time, that's rocketmoney.com smart. This episode is brought to you by Hims. We don't want to admit it, but 52% of men over 40 experience some form of erectile dysfunction. But like many health problems, no one wants to talk about or take up hours of your day to deal with it. That's why you need to check out Hims. Hims is changing men's healthcare by providing simple and convenient access to science-backed treatments for erectile dysfunction, hair loss, weight loss, and more. The entire process is 100% online, so you can get a new routine of improving your overall health faster. Hims offers an array of high-quality options, including pills or chews for ED and serums, sprays, or oral options for hair loss. 
If prescribed, your medication ships directly to you for free and discreet packaging. No waiting rooms and no pharmacy visits. No insurance is needed. Pay one low price for your treatments, online visits, ongoing shipments, and provider messaging. You can even manage your plan on the Hims app, track progress, and learn more about your conditions and how to treat them from leading medical experts. Start your free online visit today at hims.com/smart. That's h i m s.com/smart for your personalized treatment options. One last time, hims.com/smart. Prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate. Restrictions apply. See hims.com/twist for details and important safety information. Subscription required. Price varies based on product and subscriptions plan. Yeah. One more question about LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. What should we be using it for? Let's say we set up our profile well. How should we leverage it? I believe LinkedIn is used twofold. One, to really share your point of view, your expertise on whatever it is that you're passionate about, that you do. I think it is, you know, as you know, really a professional social network. So I, I think, you know, you know, sharing things that are super personal is is a choice. But I, I think at the end of the day, people should be thinking about who are their most important stakeholders in this audience? Whose respect are you trying to win? Is it clients? Is it investors? Is it your boss making sure that, you know, everything that you're saying is a reflection of you? Um but at the same time, you can also really share your thought leadership in the comment feeds of people that you actually want to be connecting with, right? And, and it's a, just a great way to build out your network. I think it's a great way to tap into if you need a warm intro, figuring out who you know that can make that intro. So there's a lot of uses. And I think after the pandemic, we've seen more that it's become a regular used to be that like you made your profile and you forgot about it. Now it is an active, active, vibrant social network. And I would also add one that has good engagement, which is not what a lot of them of the other ones have at this very second. Yeah. And I think the type of engagement tends to be the kind we want, right? Educational, informational, professional, progressive. Don't get me wrong. I, I spend plenty of time on TikTok, right? And in fact, Same. I find it to be extremely educational. It is, <laughs> um, you know, but, but it's how uh, you feed it. It's how you feed it. it. That's what you're getting back. Ex exactly. And so uh, I think LinkedIn is kind of social media for adults to a, to a degree. One thing I want to ask you, if I just sit back and go, okay, Chris, like be real with yourself, present your honest opinion on this podcast. Sometimes I feel like building my brand or, or asking others to build their brand is constantly having to construct a narrative for ourselves that is polished, right? It feels like an extension of the social media world. Ugh, even on Instagram, I got to create filters. And now on LinkedIn, I have to create my headline. And can I just be me? <laughs> I know you talk about this. So that's why I'm curious. You know, the person who's going, I don't want to have to market myself. I want to be a human with value. What do you say to that? So let's define marketing ourselves because what I did not want to do in On Brand is create monsters. So this is not a book where I'm like, shout your name from the rooftops, post about yourself all day. In fact, I specifically say to be strategic and elegant in the way that you're talking about yourself. 
and have a rule that for every one time you're marketing yourself, you're amplifying five other people after that. Because I do think you can become a villain in this scenario if you're just doing that. So I just want to put that out there for everyone listening. Absolutely. Um, I believe in authentic social media. You know, my background, I created an anonymous social media personality back in the day called DKYPR Girl that became huge. And one of the reasons it became huge was because it was authentic storytelling at a time that people weren't doing that. So if people follow me on Instagram, they know that my morning advice is me sitting at my makeup table getting ready. There is nothing high production about it. There is no filter to it. There is, in fact, it's the most low lift thing, which is why I can do it. So this is not about being polished. I think it's about, again, understanding the medium that you're playing in. So on LinkedIn, it's a professional network. You need to think about future clients, your, your, you know, your colleagues, your boss, your CEO, whatever the case may be, and have that in mind. Every platform has a different ecosystem. So you don't have to use, you don't have to paintbrush the same thing across every one. You, you can only have one personal brand, but you can be yourself in the way that you want to be. So I am 100% not making everything perfect on any of these platforms. But I have a really, as a, as a former publicist, I have a very clear understanding of what I'm messaging and keeping in mind who's watching and who's listening. That's excellent advice. And you just triggered something I'm really excited to go down, which is I despise social media. Not, not because of any a political or moral thing, more in that I find it uh, tedious, like especially having a podcast and all these things. I know I should be on it. And it, it's just another thing to do. But you mentioned something that I've heard some of the best say continually, and it's hard advice to follow, which is how can you do it in a way that is authentic and not difficult? How do we do that, though? Fun fact, perfection does not perform well on social media. That's why we love TikTok. Uh-huh. Okay. So lo-fi production, everyone, every brand that was spending millions and millions of dollars on commercial level content had to basically throw out their playbook when TikTok came on the scene. So in on brand for the people that want to do social media or Chris, actually like you're the perfect case study. <laughs> I walk through the entire process from scratch on how you think about it. And it starts with that Venn diagram of like, what are the areas you do want to talk about? What is that middle area of connecting the dots between all the interesting things that you're into, that you're passionate about, that you work on, and creating brand guardrails of like, you know what? Not every person has to talk about every single thing. So what's important for you to talk about? What's important that someone else talks about something? So really understanding where you, where you begin and where you end from a content perspective. And then truly making it work for your lifestyle. So I totally, you know, to, excuse me, to be totally honest, when Instagram turned into TikTok basically, and it became very clear that you needed to do videos speaking to camera, I was like, oh God, I don't want to do that. It feels so thirsty and attention getting, but like my photos that used to do so well are getting like five likes now and no one's looking at them. So like 
you first of all have to lean into whatever the platform is telling you they want you to lean into because they're going to suppress everything else and they're going to promote the stuff that they want to, right? And right now they want to compete with TikTok. But besides that, what I realized is if I came up with a why, why am I posting on social media? And I decided, okay, mentorship is really important to me. That's my first book, Leave Your Mark, is a career mentorship. How can I combine what I'm passionate about with this medium? And I decided, okay, if I'm giving out advice, if I'm paying forward what I learned, if I'm helping someone or I'm educating someone or I'm entertaining someone and sharing a tidbit that can help them, then I sort of made peace with it. But then it became, oh my God, but like, and especially for me, I'm like, oh, but hair and makeup and what am I wearing and when am I shooting this and who's shooting it and then lighting? No, none of that. None of that. Keep it simple. It's not precious. The, the less precious it is, the better it performs. So that's why I worked it into my morning routine. This way, there's never a morning. I, I can't do it because I'm getting ready every morning. So it, it, there, it's, and it's when I'm thinking about the day or it thinks. So you have to make it work for you. And then when you make it low lift, it's so easy. And almost fun. And you know what I love? Best description I've heard. It's not precious. It's not precious. It's not. Could you talk, just talk more about that? It needs to be heard. Yes. So remember, we are a product of how we were trained. So when Instagram first came on the scene, everything was perfect. Picture perfect, beautiful colors, Photoshop. They, they told you this. They're like, here's filters. Your skin isn't perfect. Don't worry. We, we've got filters for you. You don't have to worry about it. And even, even look at TikTok, all the filters, like the glam filter, all the things that are changing appearance. So we were conditioned, especially in those early days, to be like, oh my God, if it's not gorgeous, then I cannot post it. We are not there anymore. Gorgeous does not work. Real works. Real works, but with the caveat that you always need to consider who is watching and who is reading and who is listening because there's no such thing as personal social media. Everything affects your company's standing, your company's liability, whether you own it or you work there, anything you do can be used against you. How do we toe the line between authentic and oversharing? Interesting, not indulgent. You know, there, there are all these fine lines that really is what I think creates virality. Do the mental gymnastics in on brand to figure out your guardrails because there is something called too much information for sure. And I think a lot of people are wrong in the sense that they think they have to share a lot of their personal lives to be successful on social media, but that's not true you can figure out your content buckets and figure out what you actually want to put out there and leave everything else to your personal life. So finding where the boundaries are is really, really important. And it's also going to give you your comfort because you're going to be so, just like any great brand starts with their belief system, their core values. What are their brand guardrails? What's their style guide? What's their brand voice? All of those things can be applied to people. And that's what I do in On Brand because you need the guardrails, you need the parameters, and then and then it's so clear what you should do and what you shouldn't. Yeah. How can we look at each of the social media channels? Like, if we are not well-versed, what is kind of a social media for dummies and how we should look at each one? 
So great question. And it's why I wrote a chapter called Understanding the Digital Playground in the book, because if you're new to this, it's very overwhelming and you're like, I don't know what to do. So Instagram, pictures, video. If you don't have a visual content strategy or an idea, or you like to take pictures or you like to shoot video, probably not the social media platform for you. That to me is almost like you've been to New York, so you know, like Madison Avenue, not now so much because unfortunately there's so many closures, but Madison Avenue in like the 90s and 2000s where it was like you walked down that street, it was every designer store. So Instagram is almost like your boutique flagship to the world, right? It's like what you're curating about your life that you want people to know or your business or whatever you're trying to promote. Twitter, which, you know, I was early days on Twitter and I still, even though it's problematic, I still love Twitter and I love Twitter for a couple of reasons. One, it keeps me up to date on every single thing I need to know from a news perspective and also what's culturally relevant and happening. And two, it keeps me abreast of what media is talking about. And as a former publicist, that was a huge part of my job. And even though I don't do PR anymore, it's still really important for my work to understand what are the conversations happening and journalists are still on there all day. The other great thing about a platform like Twitter or LinkedIn is that the written word matters and you don't have to have a content strategy. You can just join another conversation that is relevant to your business. So one of the things I advise, no matter what platform you decide to be on, is creating a nutritious timeline. A nutritious timeline, so you're not having the frosted flakes of timelines, you're having like the fiber one, like the really good nutritious timeline. And you're curating, you're following people that are either relevant to your business, that you aspire to connect to, that you're modeling behavior of, that you're learning something from. That, if you do that, and you, and you think of, and by the way, you can have multiple accounts, right? So you could be just a voyeur on Twitter, but you could be following all of the sort of strategic people and, and organizations to feed your brain so that you're actually delivering yourself. Similar to what we were saying before about what you're getting on TikTok. Yep. You're, you're typing in and searching for things that you're interested in. So they're feeding that back to you. You're teaching it. What, to, what you want to know. Same thing here, but here you, you have to follow what you want to know so that you're served it back again. And, and TikTok is really, you know, again, if you're comfortable on camera, if you're, if you're looking to, there's so many different niches, obviously, on TikTok, but so much education, so much how-to, so much advice. I mean, I was looking the other day, I found a a TikTok video for like an intellectual property lawyer who's talking about all the examples of intellectual property, you know, that's happening today. It's like anything you do can be made into a TikTok account, essentially. But it's just, it just, you know, you have to go with what you're comfortable with. And I would say you don't have to do everything, but if you're going to do it, be consistent. I love that. Let's move from the digital to the 3D. Mm. Let's imagine I am a consultant of some sort. There's a lot that listen. I'm a coach, I'm an executive coach, or I have a small business, I'm a therapist, I'm a, whatever it is, right? People who need clients and everything. Um, obviously, we know how to do the digital part. How do we go in our day-to-day -day lives and make sure we are true to ourselves and then marketing 
that version of ourselves so that we attract what we look to help. So first of all, and and this is going to take one extra step, but it's worth it. I think especially today, if you are a solopreneur, a freelancer, a member of the gig economy, someone who's not working in a corporate office, but even if you are, this is important too. We want to be building authentic relationships and we want to be connecting with people every single day. So I keep a spreadsheet. I know this sounds so dorky. (laughs) I keep a spreadsheet of my outreach and I keep a spreadsheet of introductions. So I know that Chris, you introduced me to so-and-so. So three months from now, when I land that client, I could be like, Chris, by the way, thank you so much for that introduction. I actually am working with them now. So really understanding that building authentic relationships also directly correlates to earning social capital. So you want to think in terms of, are you good to work with? Are you someone who is a quick responder? Are you someone who's going to deliver what you say you're going to do? And part of that is really making sure that you're putting yourself out there and reconnecting with people in your network to see what they're up to, not asking for anything. And rinse repeating that over and over again, because the more you are of value to someone else, the more they're going to think about you when you're not in the room. I want to talk about how you got here, because I I intentionally like to start with talking about the book, talking about the takeaways. But you have a really fascinating background executive working through all these things. How did helping people get on brand and building a brand become part of your story? Well, I, I think it's important to know that, you know, every journey is never a straight line. Um, I actually thought I was going to be a plastic surgeon. So, what? Yeah. So I gra- I graduated with a degree in neurobiology and physiology. And wow. yeah, so I was pre-med and, but always loved fashion, you know, always, you know, read magazines back in the day. And um, I, I would say that I embarked on a career in fashion um, after college. I, I started interning at Harper's Bazaar, and then I moved over to Mary Claire, and I was working in the fashion closet, and then moved over to corporate PR in the late 90s. And that was a time when brand power and understanding the value of a brand's DNA was really top of mind. And I say that because... We're at a time now where there, you know, people launch brands every single day and it's easy. It almost looks like it's easy. You just throw up a website and you have a company. But the real magic is in the brands that are founded on a foundation of having a real purpose. And most of the time, it's coming from a place of solving a problem or with a true mission or an artisan view or what you know, whatever the case may be, every brand has its own story, but every brand starts with its DNA. And learning about that at the luxury fashion level and every aspect of marketing and brand awareness and how you actually create influence was my education to brand. And as a publicist, I think the most powerful thing I could ever learn how to do was kill a story because that is, that is the true, to me, that is the true sign of being a powerful publicist. If there is a, something bad that's about to come out in the news on you and you have the power to kill that, that is serious skill. So, so understanding, okay, like 
I did celebrity dressing, red carpets, Oscars, Golden Globes, understanding what it meant to like choose a brand ambassador that aligns with you. What are they wearing? How is that showing up? Producing a fashion show, who's going in your front row and what that means from an optics perspective. So all of these image making skills and then how to market everything is, is what I lived for 17 years at Donna Karen. And we were part of LVMH. So then I got exposed to every other brand within the group also. And there's something very magical about brand. And the opposite of brand is performance marketing. Because performance marketing is all about the conversion at any, co- at any cost. And a lot of times that is at odds with making sure the star of the Christmas tree is maintained. Does that make sense? A little bit. I was just about to say, tell me more about that. Cause I like the dichotomy between the two. Yeah. I, I think it's interesting and in helping us understand brand in general. So a lot of times a, especially in luxury, a brand will have a really clear set of like, Oh, we do this. We don't do that. We use these words to describe our brand. We don't use those. So for DQY PR girl, even though that was a Twitter account, you know, I would always describe things as chic versus cute. Like I knew I had strict guardrails of like how, like the brand voice and and how it was showing up. And there's, there's a a strong opinion. Brand people have a very strong opinion of what is on brand. Hello. Mm -hmm. That's why my book is called (laughs) on brand. (laughs) Have a really strong opinion of what's on brand versus what's not. And I will say a lot of it is intuitive, right? You can look at something like, Chris, if I said to you right now, here's, you know, 50 fonts, what font is on brand for you? Right. Would you I'd know? Be able to, yes. Yeah. Okay. So what font is on brand for you? Uh, we're a clean, like Helvetica type brand. Great. Okay. Perfect. So you have a very clear point of view that that is your font. If someone sent you marketing materials for, for Smart People Podcast in Comic Sam's, Right. Would you have a reaction to that? Yes. In fact, my wife is a kindergarten teacher. I'll never forget. And I've told this story before. She she knows I do a lot of PowerPoints and stuff. She built a PowerPoint for back to school night and she showed it to me. And I said, "Ooh, I, you're, you don't want to have this conversation. <laughs> and it actually turned into like one of our earliest, I'm not going to say fights, but arguments, you know. And honestly, she was right. Comic Sans for kindergarten. It works. I just have an aversion to it. Fine. <laughs> so let's say for for smart people. If your performance marketing person was like, hey, Chris, listen, Comic Sans is going to convert. Like people are going to click on that link and they're going to listen. Then it becomes a question of, do you listen to performance or do you maintain brand? Ah, okay. Let's get into this for a second. I feel like we're in it. So yeah, let's do it. I'm going to Wizard of Oz, man behind the curtain, right? So John and I are as we speak actively finally getting into video content youtube TikTok, and within the next couple of weeks should be fairly heavily in and we were talking to people I, I just talked to an agency that i think we're going to hire he said look i work with other podcasts and here's how a lot of them got famous and i'll give you an example without using names or identifying things he said this guy did video for years and never really got to the size he should he did an interview with I'm not going to talk about name the person, but he did a specific type of interview with a type of subject and it blew up 
And the next 15 interviews he did were the exact same subject because he knew it was going to work and it did. And his channel grew and he's successful. And I'm, I'm right here at this issue right now. I said to the guy, I'm not going to do that. Okay. Like I, I am a purist. I've been podcasting for 12 years. So if we work together, I want you to tell me, Hey, this is performing well, but I will decide is this going to support our brand or is this just going to allow us to perform? Because I, I'm not going to sacrifice performance for brand. And as you say this, I can imagine many people, probably more, probably the smarter people, um, do the opposite. But, but it's just not something we're going to do. So to dovetail on that, a very uh, tried and true way to go viral is to be super controversial all the time. And I was watching on TikTok a couple months ago, and I did an Instagram video on this, where someone was like talking about, you know, how she built a cult community. And she said, you just got to disagree. You just have to be controversial. And then you will cultivate this cult community so that when you find someone who you don't agree with or who disagrees with you, you can stick them on them. So uh, yeah. Yeah. here is a that. person who is creating mob culture, right? So there is, there are tactics like being controversial that will absolutely get you attention, get you media headlines, do all the things. But then you have to ask yourself, is that the person you want to be? Well, here's where there's a challenge though, right? This, this person who's very well-versed in this space also used Joe Rogan as an example. He said, look, Joe's already always been big and blah, blah, blah. But you know what really sent him into the stratosphere was kind of that like alt-right era he went through. And I was like, oh, that's a heavy price to pay. But now think of his influence. You could use Elon Musk as an example. He's a brilliant marketer because he understands this. How do I evoke emotion? And for better or worse, love him or hate him, dude's got influence. So if you use that in the right way, was the journey worth the outcome? Ah, man, I really don't know where I fall in that camp. Any thoughts on that? So there's a chapter in on brand called Beware of Zero f Given Branding. Ah, okay. And zero f given branding means that you have a very clear sense of your brand, right? And you don't care how many haters you cultivate because you're going to have a really strong point of view and you're going to cultivate as many haters as you do lovers. So you can think of Donald Trump, you can think of Elon exactly. Musk, you can think of any single polarizing, Joe Rogan, any single polarizing person. Mm -hmm. They absolutely will find their audience and they will, they will benefit from it. But they have to, you know, be able to sleep at night. And that's a personal choice, right? So when I ask in the beginning of On Brand, like, what do you want to be known for? You want to be known for like, views that are that you can't like really stand by just to be famous i think that's pretty pathetic it's tough when the not just monetary incentive but the today's economy incentive i mean andrew tate is literally mm -hmm. the perfect example of this yes and absolutely even in jail in romania or wherever he is you know whatever he does for the rest of his life he will be able to be monetarily successful because of being controversial I think I have more of a problem with the society that inadvertently, I don't want to say promotes that, but rewards it. Yeah. Rewards it. Thank you. 
that's on all of us, right? That's human nature. So what do we do with that? You know, I can't, I don't know. Well, listen, I think <laughs> I couldn't write a book about building your brand without putting in a chapter on reputation management, PR 101, and how to survive cancel culture, right? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. that is what can come, right? You have to be willing to take the heat. Right. You have to be willing to take the heat. So again, I don't know that, you know, those are very extreme examples. They are. Right. Um, so taking it back down to your personal example that you shared, I would I would counter the point by saying that what we're seeing on TikTok right now is people posting the same video multiple different at multiple different points. And in the beginning, maybe nothing happens to it. They post it maybe a few weeks later. Eh, it says okay. And sometimes it hits. And it and it really just depends. So actually the idea of taking a content bucket or a content theme or, or, or a topic of choice and slicing it, dicing into like 20 different permutations where you're basically saying the same thing in different ways is actually a very smart way to challenge the algorithm and see what works. That's a great so, point. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't negate it. I wouldn't negate the idea. I, I understand your hesitation. I think there is a way, again, going back to the exercises of saying like, what is on brand for you? What are your content buckets? What are your brand guardrails? And then to really play within those is, is a great strategy. Yes. And I love that. And I know we're coming up on time. So this is what I wanted to do. What's your favorite? Like if you could recommend one exercise to people who are sitting there going, okay, I want to build my brand. I'm ordering the book, but it takes a few days to get in. So in the meantime you know, let's do this exercise. It doesn't have to be, we don't have to start from one. Okay. This could be fifth exercise, but what's the one that you think just really bang for the buck has the biggest impact on, on understanding or building your personal brand? Always starts with your belief system. Okay. Let's talk about it. It always starts with who, who you think you are, what your goals are, what you want to align with, how you see yourself. And there is, there are a lot of questions within this. So it's, it's hard to, you know, roll up into a comment, but basically understanding what is your why, right? What are you trying to achieve? If you are someone who's like, I want to become a public speaker. Okay. Why? I'm someone who wants to build a social media presence. Okay. Why? What is the goal? And then everything you think about understanding your belief system, your core values, what you choose to align with. When you think about great brands, they all start with that. They all have that down pat. It's probably painted on a wall when you walk into any single one of those brands offices because they want every employee to remember that, whatever those core values are. So it really does start with the self-reflection exercises. So quick and easy, you know, for the end of the show right now, it's like three adjectives that someone you work with would use to describe you. What do you think those are? And then call up one of your work colleagues and ask them the same question and see what they say. say. That's cool. That's really cool. I'm going to do that actually today. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, but actually one thing I want to say, because I know we spoke a lot about, you know, entrepreneurship, there is a whole chapter on how to establish your personal brand at work in a corporate environment too. And I think that's really important also because that goes back to how do you make sure people know your value in your organization? And for better or worse, I mean, that's the corporate game. I mean, you, you got to do that. Yes, you got to do that. I love it. Well, 
Aliza, this has been uh, fantastic. I was really looking forward to it just because for many, it doesn't come natural, but in today's interconnected global world, it, it, it is almost a must do. I mean, in some capacity, we have to make it a conscious choice because if we don't, others will do it for us. It just Correct. happens. You become the this guy or the this woman or whatever it is. Um, and I love how we've talked about you, you mix between explaining it and then here's how to do it and the worksheet part. So uh, the book is On Brand, Shape Your Narrative, Share Your Vision, Shift Their Perception. Look, we both got them. Matching. Be by the way, beautiful. I, if I didn't know you at all, I would guess like, I got a feeling this person works in fashion. I mean, you got the black, the gray, <laughs> like the shiny, you know, it is uh, yes, yes. It's good stuff. You also have your podcast. So tell us about that. We're going to link to that. And then anywhere else, anything else you're working on um, yeah. or anywhere else we can find you. Um, so my podcast is Leave Your Mark. And my, my first book is Leave Your Mark. So that book is really uh, Think Double Wears Prada Meets Career Advice. So that is really a career mentorship on how work works, really for college age slash young professionals. So it's the perfect graduation gift. Awesome. This book is adult. On brand is adult. Um, although you can read it when you're younger too, but, um, it's definitely adult. Um, I'm at alizalick.com, alizalickdexo on Instagram and TikTok, um, on Twitter. I mean, say hi. And, um, yeah, I mean, the book is on brand, shape your narrative, share your vision, shift their perception. I love it. Aliza, thanks so much for sharing it with us. Thank you, Chris, for your amazing questions. This was great. So fun. Absolutely. Thank you. Hello, it's AI John. John's studio is currently under repair, so you are stuck with me. A thank you to this week's guest, Eliza Licht. The episode was hosted, as always, by Chris Stemp and produced by yours truly, John Rojas. Eliza's book on brand, Shape Your Narrative, Share Your Vision, Shift Their Perception, is available now wherever books are sold. If you'd like to reach out to the podcast, you can email us at smartpeoplepodcast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at smartpeoplepod. And if you'd like to stay up to date with all things Smart People Podcast, head over to the website smartpeoplepodcast.com and sign up for the newsletter. That's it for us this week, but make sure you stay tuned because we've got a lot of great interviews coming up and we'll see you all next episode. Mm -hmm.